On this second Sunday of the new year, we continue our series on Jesus' vision for a happy new year. We mentioned last week that the first four Beatitudes, those blessed are statements, are in some ways like when we say happy new year to someone. We are wishing them something. In some ways, Jesus is bestowing this upon them. So listen then to the second Beatitude. The reading is from Matthew chapter 4, beginning at verse 23. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and curing every disease and every sickness among the people. So his fame spread throughout all Syria, and they brought to him all the sick, those who were afflicted with various diseases and pains, demoniacs, epileptics, and paralytics, and he cured them. And great crowds followed him from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and from beyond the Jordan. When Jesus saw the crowds, he went up the mountain. And after he sat down, his disciples came to him. Then he began to speak and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. I want to take you to the Holy Land. Literally. I really do. This May, we're taking about four dozen folks to Italy for a Bible and art tour, fingers crossed. But a year from May, if it all works out, we'll go back to Israel. Dr. David May and I have led, I think this will be our fifth trip. And because we've been so many times, we've kind of got it honed down, which is to say that we know that on the first day, people are mostly jet lagged and they don't remember much. But the second day, everyone's found their groove, and it's a good thing because that's the day we first get a glimpse of the Sea of Galilee. And on the north shore, as it slopes up the hill, is the spot where tradition has it, Jesus gave the Sermon on the Mount, which begins with these Beatitudes. A church was built there in the fourth century, which is now in ruins. But in the 1930s, they built a new one, and it is gorgeous, the Church of the Beatitudes. It's octagonal, which means you could walk around the altar area, and it's octagonal to represent the eight Beatitudes of Jesus. It's surrounded, this church, with gardens, lush gardens. And every once in a while, you come across these painted signs with one of the Beatitudes on it. It is a lovely way to begin the day. Even if you can't go on the trip, I'd like to take you there today figuratively. I know preachers do that every week. They, they in a sense, say, come on, let's go back to whatever. But it turns out time travel's a little bit complicated. I'm sure you've figured that out by now. When we go back, we're not really going back to the moment when Jesus gave the Beatitudes. What we have is Matthew's telling of it about 50 years later, and here's why that's important. When Jesus was on the planet and stood on that sloped ground there, well, the Romans had been occupying Israel for about 100 years. And for about 100 years, it was tolerable. The Jews put up with the Romans, the Romans put up with the Jews, and there were skirmishes and little friction here and there, and some said, let's just go along. And it was, you know, tolerable. But by the time Matthew writes about this, well, all hell has broken loose. 
the Romans have squashed the rebellion, the Jewish war, the Jewish revolt, and they have laid siege to the city of Jerusalem. They have destroyed the temple. It is in rubble and ruins. Or to put it another way, there are no lush gardens with hand-painted signs. And that's the context in which we read Matthew telling us this story to the sick and the poor, largely due to the conditions under Rome, he says these words. And the first one we heard last week is for those on the verge of giving up. But today we hear the second beatitude. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Now, I mentioned last week that if you made a resolution to read the Bible more in 2022, hint, hint, good idea, that you, there's certain things you should keep in mind. Well, here's another one to keep in mind. The Bible is much more social than personal, much more communal than individual. The first inclination of us in the West is to hear a verse like that and think about our own personal mourning, but that's not how they would have heard it. That word is used in the First Testament to refer to the lamenting the state of Israel when they were attacked by the Assyrians or by the Babylonians. So when Matthew records it, they're under the Romans now. They get this. They are mourning what it means to be captive to yet another foreign army. And to those people who are feeling that way, he says, blessed are, which, as I mentioned last week, could just as easily be translated, God's favor is upon. God's favor is upon those whose hearts are broken because of what's going on in the state of Israel. And why? Well, that's how the last part works. Because they will be comforted or consoled. So it's true that you should start with the social, with the communal, but it doesn't mean it doesn't affect us personally, too. So, for instance, if your heart breaks because of the state of affairs in this world, this is your verse. And if, on the other hand, your spouse is battling alcohol and you are mourning that, this is your verse. This is your verse if you care about world hunger, this is your verse if your heart is breaking as ours did this week when friends of ours put their 31-year-old child to rest from COVID. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So you start with the communal, and then you work to the individual. So, for instance, I was reading just this week about a fellow by the name of Peter Claver. If you've ever been, I've not been to this church, but the Cathedral of St. Paul in the Twin Cities has three rose windows. Our chapel has one, by the way, if you ever want to check it out. Rose window is round. It has the petals to represent the rose. Well, there, one of their rose windows is dedicated to the Beatitudes, each petal representing a different Beatitude. And the one that's blessed are those who mourn, for they'll be comforted, well, it's dedicated not just to the Beatitude, but each one of them tells the story of a modern-day saint, Peter Claver in this case. He was a Spaniard, and in the early 1600s, he felt a call to mission. And so he went to the New World, in this case, Cartagena, Colombia. He finished his studies there, and then he learned about the plight of the slaves. 
They were bringing in slaves to work in the mines there in Colombia, and his heart was broken. And so when any ship would enter the harbor, he would immediately go in and go down below deck and start ministering to these people who were scared out of their wits. Bless are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. He became known as the patron saint of slaves. But the verse applies to our personal lives. Those who went with me previously to Israel will know this story, or at least a piece of it. The first time that Dr. May and I took a group, there were about 37 of us, including a retired physician by the name of Dr. Herman Kuhn and his wife, Mary. Lovely couple. On Friday of that week, we'd gone down the Jordan Valley and we'd stopped in one of those cities that's mentioned here, in the Decapolis, one of those ten cities. It's an old Roman ruins. You, you, you just, it's an archaeological find. It's got columns. It's got an old bathhouse. It's got all kinds of things, nooks and crannies. It's the kind of place to spread out and explore, and that's what we did. And we were supposed to be there about an hour tops. But when we were gathering to go, Herm was missing. He had disappeared, and I mean disappeared. We searched and searched, and eventually the group, they had to go on, and Mary and I stayed for two whole days. He could not be found. We called the police, the parks department, the army, Israeli intelligence. They brought in helicopters and dogs and soldiers on horseback and infrared. He could not be found. Sunday we decided, Mary and I, that we would at least go into Jerusalem, but we would not go touring with the group. When they took off, Mary and I took a walk. It was a holiday, as it turns out, and the streets were empty. When we got back to the hotel, we had scheduled a meeting with Leon Roski. Leon Roski was a retired physician who knew Herm from back in the States, but had retired to Tel Aviv. And he and his adult daughter had come because they had heard. And the adult daughter, she had made posters and had decided she was going to go door to door in Beit Shan asking if anyone had seen Herm because 40 years earlier he had delivered her into the world and now she hoped to return the favor. But it didn't work that way. By Tuesday... Mary and I decided we would join the group. And in the old city of Jerusalem, we walked the Via Dolorosa, the way of suffering. It's where tradition has it Jesus walked on the way to the cross and where pilgrims have remembered the suffering of another Mary. And that's when we got the phone call. His body had been found about a mile away, dead from heat stroke. And the group encircled Mary and prayed, and cried. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Those are gorgeous words, but a little bit troubling too. I mean, they trouble me. I don't know if you are troubled by it, but do you hear it? For they will be comforted. Future tense. Well, a lot of good that does right now. Soren Kierkegaard, Danish philosopher and theologian, said, This is the dilemma. Humans live, and we are finite and infinite at the same time. 
what he meant was we're finite as in we've got limitations. We die, but we're infinite in the sense that planted in us is this longing for life everlasting. And, and because we're caught in between these things, he said we experience despair, the sickness unto death, he called it despair. And it's true. I mean, the Beatitudes, every one of them says, blessed are, blessed are, present tense. And the first one and the last one even say, for, and then it's a present tense. But starting with this one, all the ones in the middle say, blessed are, present tense, but future when it comes to fruition. Finally, completely. That's why I've always appreciated, since I first read it, a little novel by Alan Lightman called Einstein's Dreams. I told you about it years ago. It's a work of fiction because it's a novel, but it is based on the true life story of Einstein who posited this notion of the theory of relativity, how time works. Well, the author takes some liberties and imagines that Einstein at night is having these dreams about different ways time could unfurl. And the one that sticks with me is dated June the 2nd, 1905. This is how it begins. A mushy brown peach is taken out of the garbage and placed on the kitchen counter where it starts to pinken and harden. It's put in a sack, it's taken to the grocer's, put in a crate, taken to an orchard, and put on a tree. It's life out of death. The way I remember the ending is like this. A woman stands at the grave of her husband. She feels the cold April rain slapping against the canvas and her cheeks. She throws a handful of dirt on the coffin, but she doesn't cry. And the reason she doesn't cry is because she remembers a day in the future when he'll sit up in that hospital bed. And now a couple days Right after that, he'll start to walk the halls. He'll check out and go home. He'll start to feel all better. They'll go for walks. They'll make love. They'll rent a movie. They'll life out of death. But did you hear it? It's that little phrase. It's such an odd phrase. She remembers a day in the future. That is how to read the New Testament and especially this beatitude. You have to remember a day in the future. Some months after Herm's disappearance, we held the memorial service at the Presbyterian Church where he was a member. The pastor and I were both part of that. And I mentioned during my part that Mary, for those four days he was missing, she kept commenting on this. She kept saying, he just had such a different look on his face. I've never seen a look like that on his face. She said it was like a look of determination, like he was going somewhere. And he was. He was going to see God. He was going to the Holy Land. And in that land, all of God's children are comforted.